real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. 2,000 to 4,000 children between the ages of 8 and 17 may be suffering from anorexia in Ireland. It's a figure that may not shock you, particularly in a modern age where we have social media and body. People have kind of this thing about their body image. But a new report by the BMJ Open uh, estimates that 95 children are diagnosed with anorexia in Ireland every year. Again, you're probably going, hmm, that's, that's not great, it's not nice to know. But of course, maybe I'm not too surprised. But what I am surprised at, 11 of those were aged between 8 and 12 years of age. So even the thoughts of an 8-year-old having anorexia or having some sort of consciousness about not eating and wanting to look a certain way um, shocks me and horrifies me. Um, and this report, by the way, by Professor Sarah Byford, uh, said that there has been an increase in young people affected by the disease. Now, Jacqueline Campion uh, was only five or six years of age when she started depriving herself of food. And now uh, she's 29. Uh, she is an eating distress practitioner and she joins me on the line. Jacqueline, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Niall. How are you? Thank you for having me. I'm. I'm not. We we hear about you know. Um, I suppose anorexia and bulimia and eating disorders in general, and we we know there's facts and figures out there, and there are people who suffer with that. But when you hear about a five or six year old, you wonder how they would even have the consciousness of that. Now we all know that some people have di- children who are difficult to feed or difficult mm. eaters, or fussy eaters, or whatever happened, mm. but not to this extent. Now, just if I go back to your story. You were five or six when you started depriving yourself of food. Yeah, so, I mean, as my, my, my first kind of conscious memory would be kind of from, from that time where I, I felt very uncomfortable in my body and felt very uncomfortable around the prospect of kind of nourishing myself and things like that. But my, my mom would have noticed kind of things even earlier than that. Um, you know, this, like you said, the, the difference between a fussy eater and someone who was actually in, in quite a kind of destructive relationship with body and, nut- and, and nutrition, you know, it, it's, it's the amount of kind of actual kind of stress and anxiety and fear and things like that that kind of come up with it. There, there is, there is. And where do you think that stemmed from at six years of age when you talk about body image? Yeah. I mean, are you yeah. looking at other six-year-olds going, why don't I look like that? Or, you, mm, d- yeah. I mean, at six, I, I can understand that, obviously, particularly for, say, for teenage girls who are on Instagram and looking at the Kardashians or whatever it is, and they have this body image problem. But what do you think about a six-year-old? I mean, where does that come from? Where does it yeah. arrive from? Yeah, so it's a great question because, first of all, to, to, it, it's really important about kind of understanding what it is. So we would refer to it as an eating distress as opposed to an eating disorder, you know, because you're kind of coming away from it. So it's, it's a distress that's eating the person. And really, it's not about body image. A lot of people often think it's about body image and it's about size when, when you kind of see on the surface. But the behaviours are the tip of the iceberg. The behaviours are coming from the feelings, which are coming from thoughts. And ultimately, it really is two things. It's a super sensitivity and it's a not good enough syndrome. And it's all kind of happening on a subconscious level. So I wasn't consciously saying you know, at five and six, seven years of age, you know, looking, comparing to the other kind of girls and boys at crash being like you know, I wish X, Y and Z. It was, it's a very unconscious, that, that feeling with the body, how I would describe it, it's like a claustrophobia in the body. A, a very strong sense of discomfort 
and kind of entrapment that I mean to a point where I just felt like I just wanted to kind of cut it off and just kind of run and that was coming from a lot of my ultimately was coming from a lot of my thinking you know I was I would have always been mm-hmm. very very super sensitive I would have I would have been like a, I didn't really have that filter that some people are often kind of and were you vocal out. about that to your to your parents at the time um, I mean or were you or were you hiding the problem I mean it mentions the, of course there's a mention here of the fact that you were refusing to eat your school lunches so were you bringing your school lunch to school and then chucking it in the bin and hiding it and pretending you ate it or were you were you actually going to your mom or dad or whatever and saying listen I, I just couldn't eat it. I don't, I, you know. Yeah, no, I mean, one thing is, I was, I was trying, I thought, I thought I was hiding things, but I mean, because my, my mom is, is recovered herself and, and working in the area, so she had a lot of understanding. So they, what I thought I was hiding, they, they knew, like, you know, my mom mm-hmm. knew from a very young age that I, I was very sensitive and this, this was kind of being carried out with my body and nutrition. And did you, did you say your mom had the same problem when she was younger? Yeah, yeah, so my so mom, so she's the founder. Could it be genetic? Of do, do you uh, imagine? They haven't. They haven't found any chromosomes that um, are connected with kind of mental health and things like that. But I do think there's a super sensitivity. And one thing is when you kind of start going into genetics, it terrifies parents. And this is one thing about even like, you know, that, yeah, so... I mean, we, we, eating is kind of, I mean, okay, well, eating can be learned behavior as well, because we would often see parents who might be obese, and they might have children who would be obese because there's bad eating habits in the home. Um, so eating can, I don't know whether that works the other way around, if you have a parent who maybe so, is anorexic or, you know, or is very conscious of what they eat all the time, would that pass on to the children too? So there's one thing about, like, so when you're talking about eating distresses, what you kind of refer to eating disorders, it's not just necessarily deprivation. You know, it can be emotional overeating, secret eating, night eating, things like this, overexercising. Yes, there is a point there. You know, nobody is strong enough. You know, nobody has the power, sorry, to give anybody an eating distress. But what you said there, as 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 parents and as kind of partners, and but especially kind of parents and guardians, we do need to kind of watch our own kind of language and our own relationship with nutrition. You know, if you have a if you have a kind of mom or dad talking about how they need to lose a few pounds or I'm so good because I've been to the gym, you know, it is really ultimately about balance. But the emotional, this is an emotional distress. And unfortunately, we just get so kind of blindsided by the behavior that we then just kind of keep. It's like trying to, if, if I was driving a car and the petrol light was going off and I didn't put any petrol in the car and I just got rid of the light and I thought the issue was sorted. It's kind of like that. The behavior gives you information that there is a bully in someone's mind that is telling them that they're not good enough mm-hmm. and that can come out in so many different self-harming ways. So it's looking beyond the behaviours and getting curious. Like when you see children and with this study coming out of girls and boys expressing these self-harming behaviours, it's an opportunity to kind of go, well, what are these kids actually trying to express to us? Because, you know, a lot of the time the body is expressing what the soul is trying to mm. to, to express itself. So it, it's, you know, it, it's looking at the information that is the behaviour but kind of going, okay, What's the thinking here? What's going on on, on a deeper level? And, and I'm looking at the stats here. And when you look at the stats and you hear mm. about 11, you know, I'm, as I say, I have a level of understanding when it comes to teenagers, which I'll, I'll talk to you about in the second half of the break. But mm. I, I don't have a level of understanding, and most don't, when, they, when you talk about very young children, because as you say, it's more about distress and more about that rather than the body image part. of it. But I, I do want to come to your story a bit more after the break as you got older and a teenager, I suppose, for advice for parents who have teenagers, particularly 
maybe I'm being sexist by saying it, but particularly young girls who I think focus more on the body image because of things like Instagram and Facebook and Snapchat and all that kind of thing. I think, yeah, the men and the boys definitely a huge issue now as well. They're kind of suffering inside. Well, I think that's starting to happen too. Yeah, but stay with me if you can. I'm speaking to Jacqueline Campion, who is an eating distress practitioner and life coach at the Marino Therapy Clinic. And we'll talk to her straight after the break as well. Maybe you have a, a young teenager that you're concerned about. All right, keep texting, keep WhatsApping. The number is 087 I have a young daughter, only 12 years of age, and already I can see she has a huge eating disorder. Uh, we've already reached out for help, but unfortunately the help doesn't seem to be there. Well, unfortunately, uh, yes, we do lack services in this country when it comes to those kind of things, but keep battling on uh, for the sake of your daughter. Let me go back, if I can, to Jacqueline Campion, who is an eating distress practitioner. Uh, Jacqueline, just moving into your teenage years, and I don't mean to rush you, but moving into your teenage (laughs) years, I mean, that manifests itself, obviously, in a more obvious way than as you got older, I imagine. Uh, Actually, not really for me. Like, a lot of... I didn't really look like... One thing is we're often thinking, especially with the, the anorexia, and as I said, there's so many, you know, other self-harming behaviours we eat and the stress that are involved. Um, it, it was, uh, you know, I, I, I did a, a lot of different, okay, so it was like, whether it was depriving, but there was a lot of kind of said emotional overeating, things like were that. Were you binge eating um, as well? Yeah, it would have been like, I would refer, like, I mean, the word binge is just not really that attractive to me, so I, I kind of rather the emotional overeating, but yeah, I would have done yeah. all of it, you know, purging, lots of different things, um, Hideness, um, by the way, just just my own, pardon my own ignorance, but by the way, what is that? I mean, if you were to define anorexia versus bulimia, what I mean, what is the main difference between between the two? Being being honest, they're all they're just two sides. Like, but all the different behaviors and behaviors, like all these different self harming behaviors, it's it, they're all kind. But of is bulimia both, more long term? Would we, is that the way we define no. it? Maybe the bulimia would be no, more long term. No, no, I wouldn't even. It, no, it, it, it's it, it's really just they're just different behaviors. So it's different for everybody, and most people kind of enter a kind of cocktail of it. A lot of the stuff, even with anorexia, I often see is emotional overeating that is more kind of stigmatized. I mean, so, like sizeism is kind of like the only legalized racism we have. Like you, I heard the ad there of like you know treats are only for weekends. Like it's it's a wonderful way to demonize food, and and then we wonder why there's kind of shame and guilt. So there's a lot of pressure. But the the behaviours is not one that's more long term. Everybody is very different. But it's it's important, like whatever the behaviour you mentioned, that kind of the person who texts in there and they're noticing that there is a kind of eat distress there. There mm-hmm. is kind of they're maybe experiencing some abnormalities around nutrition or maybe stress around the body or things like that. It's it's important to kind of go if there's a behaviour there, it's information. Whatever. But, but a lot but a lot of this behaviour, uh, when you say it's a mental health problem, and, and clearly it is, right? But yeah. a lot a lot of this, particularly, and I wanted to come to that we mentioned it briefly before the break is. Instagram has a huge role to play in this, and particularly Instagram more so than Facebook and Snapchat and everything else. Instagram. Instagram seems to be a place where people want to look beautiful for some strange reason. You've got bloggers and all these people who, you know, are wonderful, amazing looking people, and they all look gorgeous, and they're all size zero, and they all have perfect makeup and lovely hair. And you've got young girls, teenage girls, and, and yes, boys too now as well are being very conscious as well, mm-hmm. trying to look like them and wondering why my body size is not like theirs. Yeah, but that's just marketing, isn't it? You know, like, and it's not even about pretty, like, there's so many different sizes that are in fashion now. Do you know, like, this is kind of the diet industry and kind of different sizes, like, as it goes through different years, there's different things that are in fashion, there's different trends. It's like, it's like a fashion, you have to kind of keep upgrading it so it stays relevant and people feel under pressure so they kind of enter consumer, you know, mm. it's capitalism, really, really. But Instagram, like, Instagram can be a fantastic place. It just depends on are we teaching people how to curate it? Do you know what I mean? It's about, yeah. are we teaching people to kind of, it's, it's marketing. 
marketing a lot of the time, you know, it's big business, but are we encouraging, our, you know, are we teaching our children actually to question what we're seeing? And this is one thing about, like, you know, we kind of just take things and kind of this person did it and we're believing a lot of stuff. And this is kind of like brainwashing. Like, when you're experiencing an, an eating distress, which is ultimately just emotional distress, there's a bully in your head. So if you're seeing your daughter or your son, 12, 11, 10, at whatever age, and that you're noticing something around nutrition, what is it that they're actually trying to express? You know, and that can obviously be quite challenging. You need to understand. Well, that, well that's the important part as well. And before I let you go today is for parents, you know, mm. to, to nip it in the bud. I mean, what are the signs that you look out for in your little guy or your little girl? What are the signs yeah. that you look out for to think, well, maybe they have a problem? What are those signs you look out for? Yeah, so the signs to look out for, I, I would really like, like it. it just kind of a lot of the time parents do have a good feeling but they often want to kind of go against it because there can be so much shame and judgment so the main point i would say to parents is that full recovery is possible it's not your fault you haven't got that amount of power that you can cause someone to have an eating stress but looking out for you know again hiding kind of certain foods stress around meal times, you know maybe sometimes excuses or i've had that or maybe if someone is eating it's very fast you know they're they're maybe when they're consuming something i mean i i would have gone to another like I, I wouldn't even have noticed if something was gone and i would have just wanted more instead of just kind of like oh put the treats down or as i said these kind of ads you now these campaigns that are out there of like not eating sweets like, yeah yeah like that like if only i mean you know if you haven't eaten the stress or emotion i i know i knew <laughs> this wasn't a great idea like i'm not not that like you know what i mean like yeah well yeah, i mean yeah, i think the point you're trying to say is everything in moderation yeah yeah like yeah. So when uh, one thing i would like if you see There's nothing wrong with having a bar of chocolate every now and again absolutely and but it's about the kind of relationship with the nutrition so if you are noticing maybe stress and anxiety or like a bit kind of tension around the meal times or maybe and this is really important about even for parents how is how is your relationship with your body and your nutrition I get you know, very tense around mealtimes I'm one of those people so I have to eat fast okay uh, yeah I have this thing and maybe it's a mental thing that I cannot eat food once it gets starts to get cold so what I try okay. to do is I, I end up all the time getting uh, wind and all sorts of carry on yeah, yeah, because yeah. I try to eat my food too fast I'm always the first when I go for a meal with people I'm always the first one finished so I, yeah. I eat way too quickly you know what I mean so that's, but, yeah, yeah that's yeah, a problem sorry. I suppose you know you have a like Thing about I'm, I'm always kind of like a bit sensitive to the world even problem it's just information like if for parents i would really just kind of like you know maybe obviously watching like with, with vegetarianism and veganism and stuff like that just watching the kind of intention behind that it's not always for ethical reasons the way the condition of eating stress can try to start cutting out food groups or it wants you know we're glamorizing gym going now we're glamorizing fitness health there's a lot of pressure yeah it's all quite trendy those. isn't it to do those things yeah, well, well, well listen I'd love to talk to you all day. We can have a conversation about this all day and I find it extremely interesting. If people want to get more information, you do have a podcast, by the way, on recovering yeah. from eating disorders and it's got, if you go online, it's called Calling Out. Is it on Spotify or, or iTunes? Yeah, so Calling It Out, um, it's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, it's on the MarinoTherapyCenter.com uh, website, but there's a whole episode there about actually how to identify um, it's a potential issue, so it'll go into more detail there. All right. Okay, so if you go to, it's called Calling It Out and you'll get it on Spotify or iTunes or if you go to, of course, the uh, MarinoTherapyClinic.com, uh, you will get there as well. Jacqueline Campion, thank you very much indeed for joining us. Thank Appreciate you. It. All right. Uh, very interesting. Keep an eye out because, of course, food is essential for life. And, of course, we have to eat as well. Sometimes they complain we eat too much, then they complain we eat too little. So you have to be careful, I suppose, with your child and make sure they're eating the right amounts and the right types of food. Isn't that the important thing as well? And not to shame them. Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hit.